You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Eli over the top for Hickson. Oh, he juggled and caught it. Touchdown. What a play. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Mike, when we started this podcast this year, who would have thought that it would be a historic year for the franchise? You know, Grump, when we started this this podcast back in, I don't know, was that March or April maybe? Something. We spent the whole off season wondering what do we need to do to take the next step from being an eleven and five wild card team to being a Super Bowl contender. And you know, six months later, seven months later, we have hit rock bottom. We have we have smoked our coach, we have smoked our general manager, we have embarrassed our franchise quarterback, and right now we are in ruins. And you know, the only way it can go right now is up. So, I mean, let's try to assess what kind of happened and what do we think happened and what do we think, you know, the short and long-term future is of this franchise because we've officially become the Jets. The metamorphosis is complete. I'll say yes and no to that. Um, so this is – people have had different reaction to this. So this is obviously a lot of what fans have been hoping for for a while now, have been calling for for a while now. Um, I'm not happy or excited about this. I believe I tweeted out something like, I know this is what everybody was hoping for. It might be what's best for the franchise, but this is still an embarrassing state to be in. Although it is the first step towards rebuilding the team. Um, yeah. it's a ground up thing. And the difference between us and the jets and more, more, more so like the Browns and the jets, but the jets were victim of this for a while. This is the first time that this organization has really, gutted itself and is going to rebuild. So this isn't like a, we gave these two guys four years. It didn't happen. Now we're gutting everything and we're going to give these two guys four years. And we're gutting everything. So this is, this is really a, a complete rebuild, but it's not built on ruins. Yeah. This whole thing, you know, if we can have one word to define this season's illogical. I mean, it's illogical how bad this team got all of a sudden the moves of the last Eight days of this franchise from ownership down have been completely logical. Uh, we, we've had, you know, I had a, a conspiracy theory, if you listened last week, that I thought that this was some sort of master plan between ownership and McAdoo, that they were tanking. And if he played along with this tank, he'd have a job next year. Um, that's obviously not the case. Uh, I, I thought maybe... They were going to allow McAdoo to hang himself by his own rope with this Eli experiment. But if that's the case, why do you do it after one week? When And we'll talk later about the game itself. I know it's a secondary story, but Gino is not awful. I mean, this wasn't like Buffalo putting in you know a, a quarterback with no business being in the NFL. Uh, so the timing just reeks of something that Ownership realized what a horrible mistake was made last week. The execution of it was poor. I think they probably had enough just based on the responses that McAdoo had. You know, he was very, you know, defiant and as arrogant and as obnoxious as he's been the entire tenure of his coaching job. And I, I think 
how he handled the situation after the fact, I think might have been the final nail in the coffin. Uh, you know, it just makes no sense where if we know they're dead men walking, why do you do it now? And then why does Jerry Reese become involved in that? Other than just going to decide they're going to rip the Band-Aid off all in one swoop. Your thoughts, because I, I'm at a loss. I don't really know. Um, the only thing that I, I – personally, I came up with no ideas of my own that made any sense before this happened. Once it happened, it was just such a screw-up that it seemed to be that the only way to fix it was to just cut bait. Um, we had said a couple times – you had said – you had reminded everyone that <clears throat> this team was on Jerry Reese. That's what John Mara said two off-seasons ago. Of course – in between that time, they went eleven and five after Jerry Reese made some big moves in free agency. Um, so, I, it's understandable that people forgot that. Perhaps he forgot about that. Um, well, I, I just think, I just think that the McAdoo flame out had somebody had to be accountable for that, and ownership will never have to be accountable. They don't have to be accountable to anybody. Well, okay, so. so so here's what's really interesting about that, and. I don't remember this being a story when it happened, but Aditi Kinkabwala had sent out two tweets about this. Reportedly, she she was reminding everyone that reportedly Ben McAdoo was not Jerry Reese's candidate for head coach and that he had two guys higher up on his list and that it was ownership's decision to go with Ben McAdoo as head coach. Now, I don't remember that being a story. Perhaps it wasn't, but... That's interesting uh, yeah. to me. All I remember was, and I think everybody remembers this too, is that McAdoo had a meeting with Philly. Yes. And then we act, we pounced on it really quickly. And at the time, I think most Giant fans, and I think the two of us were kind of, all right, well, continuality, it seems like, you know, at the time it seemed like Eli was on board with this. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, so this thing about who was in the second age, but do you fire a GM because they, he hired his third choice? That, does, that doesn't make any sense. That's the point I'm making. Was, was Jerry Reese really accountable for Ben McAdoo? We had assumed so, but after this report, you know, maybe this is ownership just cutting bait. I, I just think it's the collective. I don't think there's any singular exactly. situation. I, I don't think it's well. He didn't address. I, I think it's even like for bigger things like. I don't think not addressing the offensive line in 2016, 2017 is the core reason. I don't think it's JPP. I don't think it's, you know, the 2015 draft wasn't that good. I I don't think it's, I think it's just summarizing the entire thing is that there were two Super Bowls under his watch, but there were far more seasons of not making the playoffs than making the playoffs. I think Eli had what? Did he have any other playoff wins other than those two Super Bowl runs? And that's not a – I'm not indicting Eli for this. I mean I'm indicting the team and ultimately under Jerry Reese's watch. He has two wild card wins, two division wins, two conference wins, two Super Bowls, and no other playoff wins. Right. Yeah. The point is I think, you know, I think, you know, this is a very patient ownership group. Okay, McAdoo aside, the guy had a decade – to be the GM. And, you know, as Bill Parcell said, you are what your record is. And this team is, you know, had incredible highs, but a lot of lows. And I think 
This was the opportunity to say we're going to cut bait. We're going to get a new GM who's going to make a new head coaching call, maybe a new philosophy on how this team is going to be built. Um, I still do not believe, even if Eli starts this Sunday, I do not think he'll be back. I think I think this is going to be a complete clean slate and a complete start over for this team. Well, yeah, so here's the thing. This is the perfect storm of events. You have a head coach that clearly can't cut it, a GM that it's debatable. Um, he hasn't had a great track record but does some really good things. And you have a franchise quarterback whose career is coming to an end is one more year on his contract. Now you can bring in a GM to bring in his own head coach and bring in his own quarterback who may or may not have the tutelage of a veteran Super Bowl MVP quarterback to help him get started. He may not, but the, the possibility is still there. This was just the perfect time to just just kill everything and start over. I think yeah, that's really I mean, what it was. Even with Eli being around, and forget even being a, a, a mentor, I mean, that really hamstrings what your head coach can do when you have a quarterback that's established as a guy like Eli. Yeah. You know, you hear it all the time. It's like, well, does Eli want to learn a whole new offense when they bring in a new coach or something? You know, I, I, I think, you know, if Eli is not around next year, you can bring in any coach to do anything you want to do with that. You know, you're not a you're not a slave to your quarterback, and that's a major risk because, as we know, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And Eli still, yes, he's not the Eli he was five years ago, but is still, you know, on the north side of the top sixteen starting quarterbacks in the league right now. Sure, the, and when I say mentor, it doesn't have to be the offense that Eli knows like the back of his hand. It's you know, it's little things. It's getting used to the NFL speed of the game. You know, that sort of mentoring is still very valuable. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting what if – he, if he's not back, it's going to be interesting how it's done because th- there's no way the Giants are going to carry $12 million of dead money at Eli Manning with him not on the roster next year. That is just right. not happening. Right. Um, regardless, it's the perfect time for a GM and a coach to come in. It's the most attractive the Giants can look. Because if you don't like Eli, it's it's you're not super glued to him at all. You can bring in the guy that works for you. Oh, and by the way, you're also getting a top, at least a top three pick to yeah. start. Yeah. Um, what is it? What is our cap story heading into next year? Are we pretty close to the limit, or do we have some space, or what's the? Uh... You know, the cap is the cap is very fluid. Um, I do not in any way consider myself a capologist yeah i mean we also don't know what the cap number is going to be um but it looks like according to spot track which i use as a uh, metric for most stuff is that they have 20 million dollars estimated for next year with the current roster now i mean that's going to include people like dominic rogers camardi which will be discussed ad nauseum brandon marshall will be discussed a lot eli manning obviously Dwayne Harris. There's a lot of guys that are going to be discussed um, if they're going to be on this roster next year. Um, there's also a lot of free agents that people are going to discuss whether or not they want to retain them. So, yeah. And and for the record, uh, Ernie Accorsi has been brought in. He's brought in as a consultant. Yeah. Pretty much. In the meantime, Steve Spagnuolo has been interim head coach, which is what I would have expected. 
Um, sure. And assistant general manager Kevin Abrams is going to be the interim general manager, which I don't know how much really goes into being the interim yeah, general say, manager. When you're in week 13 right now, what does a GM really do? Other than kind of, you know, project manage your scouting department and things like that. So, yeah. And, you know, I don't know much about Kevin Abrams, but everything I've read is that he's a highly coveted guy. Um, he's very well respected. He's a smart guy. And um, he will be given a very serious interview to take the GM spot next year. It's a very for real interview from everything I've heard. Right. I know there's one guy I do not want to have whose name has been floating around already. I think I know what it is. Go ahead. Uh, Dave Gettleman. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like it was went so sour and so bad in Charlotte. You know, I don't think you become a changed person in six months. So I know it's most fans are very myopic. They just because there is a tie to a team three years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, instantly that's who you you feel is a favorite for it. But, you know, and when free agents say they will not sign with a team because of this guy, that's not the type of guy I want oh, running God. the show here. I don't really so. want the GM and the players to have a whole lot to do with each other. I want the GM to yeah. sign players and then never have anything to do with it. Right. There's another guy that's been floating around that I don't want, and I think Giants fans don't know that they don't want him. Mark Ross. Mark Ross is the current draft kingpin for the Giants. And while he's very good at coming up with the draft board, I think it's important to note that the drafts have not been great for this team. And Jerry Reese takes a lot of the heat for that. And not a lot of people come up and say, you know, and defend Jerry Reese for that. But he just goes off the board that Mark Ross compiles. So Mark Ross is at least 50% to blame for bad drafts. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. So... You know, Lord only knows what he'll he'll do at the helm with the money. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is going to be a they've they've gone for it. This is going to be a completely mm -hmm. house cleaning, top to bottom. I I really think so. I I I think this kind of regime has gone as far as it can. I think you know you want to be completely clean. I think it's more as a GM. It's not so much these individual hits and misses on you know guys like oh they plucked this guy in the fifth round or this guy was a first round bust. To me, it's do you have a philosophical plan? How do you stick to that plan? How do you keep the you know the ebbs and flows of your roster from all of a sudden you have to cut multiple guys? You're getting rid of guys before they you know. At their peak, you know, before they really lose it too much. That to me is what a GM is. Oh yeah, of I mean, every 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 single GM you can say hit and missed on you know an entire list of names. You know, even you know even like the Patriots, they whiff on draft picks. Oh, all the time, uh, consistently. Exactly. History will treat him whether he was a good GM or not, and he's going to. It's a pretty polarizing question because you can't ignore the most important thing. They won two Super Bowls with him. Yeah. That's a that's a huge thing. Yeah. No, it, it absolutely is. Um, let's let's talk coaches. Let's talk coaches. What what do you think? The, what do you think? Let's start with the mayors. What do you think they want to do? You think they want to try to get the new hotshot coordinator, or do you think they want to kind of go back towards like a 
Dan Reevesy type of hire. A respected guy that's been in the league, you know, a, a Coughlin, a Dan Reeves, as opposed to a a Jim Fossil, a Ben McAdoo, a, a Ray Henley. I don't know. I think that I think they want to stay out of it a little bit. I think if if the reports are true that they wanted Ben McAdoo, I think they realized how big of a mistake that might have been, and maybe they want to really really hit the home run with the GM. And let the GM do the walking with the uh, head coach selection. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what that means, I think, I mean, if it's me, the two top guys I'm going to go after are probably the hardest to attain. And that would be Josh McDaniels or Todd Haley, who are guys who have been great offensive coordinators for a long time now. Um, both had bad stints as head coaches, but were very young at the time, and were not, quite frankly, in the situation that the Giants are in. Um, this team might be a total rebuild, but it's it's a good situation to be in if you're gonna, you know, take over a rebuild team, right? I mean, well, is it? Is it? Yeah, I think so. If this roster is not terrible. This is not a Browns roster. Um. We're not in cap hell, that's for sure. Um, that's true. You have a lot of young studs on defense on longer deals. Eli Manning, I, I guess you could debate whether or not he's going to be on the team next year, but there's still the possibility that you have a guy like Eli there to help mentor whatever quarterback you go with. You know, if you don't like any of the quarterbacks in the draft, maybe you have something in Davis Webb. Maybe you can wait till the next year. I don't know. There's a lot of options here. This is not going into Cleveland, you know, where... Yeah, forget Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland is such an extreme example. I mean, is this, you know, is this the 49ers? Yeah, or, I, I, the 49ers, again, think of it this way. The 49ers, the best thing about going to San Francisco is all the friggin' draft picks that that team has. And that's about it. I mean, you know, what if you don't like Jimmy Garoppolo? You're just in the same shitty situation as everybody else. That is such a talent devoid team. That yeah, but Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, first of all, I don't know what they wouldn't like about him. <laughs> I mean, this is there's a guy not a whole would... lot to go on to say that the guy is like definitely worth building a franchise around. It certainly could be. It's just nothing. You, there's nothing to you, show. Let me that... ask you. Let me ask you a question. If you had your option between anybody coming out this year and Garoppolo, who'd you go with? From what you've seen from Rosen, from what you've seen from uh, Darno, from what you've seen from Lamar Jackson, from what you've seen from Baker Mayfield, from what you've seen from you know Will Greer, I don't know. Well, personally, yeah, I'd be I'd be okay with dealing with Garoppolo, um, but I mean that's something. So they have the now the yes, thing is but, but the point is, is that you're not making that decision. That decision was made. They leveraged something to get him, and you didn't have a choice in it. You coming in. That's the point I'm making. Well, I'm comparing. I'm compa- my point is I'm comparing the 49ers situation to the Giants situation. Well, so am I. That's what I'm saying. So right, when you right. come here, you still have that draft pick, but you also can fall back on a guy like Eli um, or even Davis Webb. Uh, Eli, even if Eli comes back, he's a very short-term solution. Of course. Of course. Mm. Well, okay. So the debate about Eli and the quarterback situation, that's arguable. 
I'm still yeah. saying if you're coming into a situation like the 49ers where there's really no talent to speak of on that team versus coming into the Giants where, again, this season was doomed but should not have been this bad. It's partially due to bad coaching. It's partially due to some injury. holes. Injury. But a lot of it has to do with injuries too. So true. you're coming into his you have Odell, but you have one of the best wide receivers in the game. Evan Ingram is has shown that he's essentially what Jimmy Graham used to be, uh, or potentially better. Um, Sterling Shepard is probably one of the better number two wide receivers in the game. It looks like when he's fully healthy. This is not a disaster team to go into at all. There uh, are flashy parts to it. But again, without an offensive line that does dick, and with a running game that's below average, right? A quarterback in inflation, it's still there's shiny parts. Exactly. No, no, no. I understand that. But what I would rather come into a thing with some shiny parts that I can f- start filling a couple holes and start getting the ball rolling a little bit than come into a place that's just a pile of junk. Because I mean, I know it sounds like you can just go in there and just got everything and start from scratch, but it doesn't take that. It, it takes a while. You can't just go in there and be like, well, I'm going to tear the whole thing apart. You kind of can't do that. There's contracts involved. You I mean, you yeah, have to fill the yeah. roster out. Um, so this is a quicker way to get the ball rolling on your team. There, and- there, are, there are pieces there. There are lots of pieces there that you're right. It's not a complete reconstruction job. It's not a complete, yeah. you know, and not only that, there's, there's pieces that can be worked with. And then there are pieces that are definitely part of a long-term plan there. I mean, I don't know what franchise wouldn't want Odell Beckham on their team. There isn't one. Um, you know, Janoris Jenkins, maybe you could debate that he's too much of a head case for some people, but Landon Collins, Damon Harrison, there, there are long-term pieces on this team as a, in addition to uh, some short-term flashy parts. Try and think of every team that's needed a GM in the last couple of years that has had a better situation than this to come into. Well, that's saying it's the shiniest turd out there, though, too. Of course, <laughs> but it's always going to be a turd if you're bringing in a yeah. new GM and a new head coach. This is, yeah. the, if, you, if you are a GM looking for a job, you want to pick your own coach, you want the option of picking a quarterback, and you also want the wiggle room to say, I don't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft, and maybe next draft, or something like that. And, you know, I, I mentioned Josh McDaniels and Todd Haley. I think you know, both would be great. Both would be difficult to attain. The one guy I keep seeing his name, and it's because he interviewed the last time around. I swear to God, I might lose my mind if they pick him. But Mike Smith? There's no fucking way. I mean, for my uh, my friends down in Tampa, just want to run him out of town after one year being down there as a coordinator. He's not. He's not becoming your head coach. Did the Giants know? The Mares know that. Image it, perception is everything, and they know right now that this fan base is taking a very serious beating with the whole Eli thing and the McAdoo thing. They're they're not stupid. They know how bad it's been. They're not going to come back and just have a a you know a blah retread hire. Well, now Haley and McDaniel are not retreads. They were unsuccessful their first time. Mike Smith is a retread. Yes, and you know that is he is. A Wade Phillips in training to be the you know that the, the the prime he's 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 you know he's Norv Turner in training to be the you know the the retread of the 21st century. So I, I can't stand stupid. the guy. So yeah, 
I mean, it'd be interesting if they go with the flashy move and try and pull Gruden out. I know that this is discussed every time. Well, you know, Gruden has never said I'm not I'm not not coaching again. Yeah. You know, every time he he kind of chuckles and uh, that's not saying no. Yeah. And maybe he's waiting for the right opportunity. I I I don't know what the direction of this team is right now. I'd love to be a wall, a fly in the wall in the mayor's office to say what they want to do. What's the uh, you know, there is no giant football you can define at this moment. Nope. I don't really know what it is. You know, nope. you would think on the talent level that this team should be a defensive team. You know, the core is there. I get it. There's a Beckham and there's an Ingram, but there's so much to build on this offense between offensive line and running back and quarterback that, you know, the pieces are there now to be relying on a, on a very solid defense and then, you know, building those parts up on offense. I agree with that. You know, this team reminds me of this team reminds me of like and not as much talent, but that early 2000s Baltimore Ravens type of team. Yeah, I mean. Yes. And even though they bring in a an offensive coach, you know, he adapted really quickly to that this team was a defensive team and in a way they went. Here's a question for you. You know, Spags is gonna be our interim head coach. What do you see his future with this team? It's very interesting. I've wondered that, you know. I, I... Well let's 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 start from the top. Does he have any shot of being the head coach next year? I think it would go over a little bit well with the fans. I think he's a fan favorite because he's good with the press. He's good with the fans. He's honest. He's a likable guy. People and, remember 2007. But Yeah, but people I, – I don't think it will be a complete win over with the fans. I mean the fans are very much aware of his tenure and, I mean, everywhere else but here. St. Louis – New Orleans and his time in, as a defensive backs coach in Baltimore were all not good. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Giant fans remember what he did in Baltimore. They remember St. Louis and they remember what he did here. Well, and again, if if we're going purely on, well, you know, a bad performance as a young head coach, then you put him in the same category as Todd Haley and, and Josh McDaniel too. Well, I think he has a chance. I'll say he has a chance. But I think I just I just think that the ownership knows that they have to blow this thing up, and they're not going to pick a guy that just has roots with the organization, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I don't think it's anything Spags has or hasn't done. I just think it's that, you know what I mean? I think it's kind of guilt by association at this point. Yeah. Although um, with Spags, this Spags was here the last year of um, Coughlin. Yes. Okay, so that's a little different. But it's also a Reese hire, twice. Yeah, but I don't think his his time as defensive coordinator here has worked against him. No, I mean, we were talking about clean slate, though. Oh, yeah, I guess. You know, we could argue about this all night. It's going to be something we're going to argue about the whole offseason. And then once the guys are in place, we're going to argue what their systems mean and how they're going to draft and how they're going to do free agency. So this is not going to be solved tonight. No. Um, we're, we're throwing these out on the table now as our initial thoughts and – It'd be interesting to see, you know, in three months when we go back and be like, oh, this is what we said that night. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the game uh, Sunday, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, real briefly, um, a couple guys look pretty good. Geno Smith didn't look bad. Uh, he threw pretty well. I mean, his escapability, you could see. We've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks for the Giants, especially in preseason, who look to escape first without trying to make a, you know, a football play. And 
I didn't see that at all with Gino yesterday. I, I saw a guy that, you know, had a move when he had a move, but wasn't looking to move first, you know, and run around. I thought he looked pretty poised back there. I, I think, again, you have so many problems with this offense right now between offensive line, terrible play calling, lack of weapons out there. But I, I he was not the problem. He's not the reason why this team lost. No, just just the same reason why Eli wasn't the reason, you know. Exactly. Um, that being said, he did have two costly fumbles. The point is, Gino was was fine. He was good. He was yeah. not spectacular. He didn't win any awards, um, which is pretty much what I expected. Um, and also, okay. and also be, being in an impossible spot he was in, too, because yes. he wasn't going to please anybody no matter what he did. So. And even if they would have won, people would have been pissed off because San Francisco had lost earlier in the day. So he was really in a tough spot. Yeah. And you know what? Hats off to him for handling everything like a like a class act. He really did. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram, who just broke a franchise record for touchdowns by a rookie tight end with six in one season. Um, and he looked magnificent. I think he had seven catches for 99 yards and a touchdown, one of which was a one-hander over two defenders. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, exceeded our expectations, you know. Sure. It's, uh, people were grumbling a little bit about the pick. Oh, he can't block and stuff. But what he's done receiving-wise, especially being almost like a hybrid wide receiver with so many guys being down, makes it all the more impressive too. Yeah. You're asking him to you know, have a shoulder, a bigger load of the offense, and you know, at times running routes as a receiver as opposed to a tight end. So he's done a fantastic job. He was never he was never brought in ever with the intent because obviously you have a Beckham and then you have a Shepherd and you know they bring in Brandon Marshall. You thought you can bring him in slowly as you know the catch the catch the catch the pass catching tight end on this team. <laughs> and now he's kind of like your de facto number one wide receiver. Yes. Um, the only other thing really worth mentioning from the game, if you care, uh, Brad Wing had a great game. I know that's sort of a joke when the punter is worth mentioning, but uh, he punted really, really well. I was going to go with Rojas actually nailing that one long field goal. Yeah. The special teams in general was good. There was a what would have been a blocked punt, Marquette King with the ultimate heads-up play and not even trying to punt it and just going down. Um, Because if he had, it was going to be a surefire touchdown for the Giants. Uh, What? What do we think about Rojas? Do we think he's going to uh, hang around next year? Mm, yeah, maybe. They'll give they'll bring in competition, like legit competition. And, uh, you know, this year was sort of his first year. He's got the leg. Um, you know, maybe this is just his getting his feet wet season. I'm right. sure I'm sure the uh, the turmoil surrounding his first year has not helped him at all. You know, this I know people are celebrating and I get why, but this sucks. This is this is the dumps, man. Uh yeah. Well I, I think it's one of those now you see light at the end of the tunnel and Yes. Um I saw it on Twitter today. I don't I forget who to credit it to. It's if you're headed downhill in the wrong direction, doesn't matter how fast you're going. <laughs> you know, it's one of those you have to make a change and you know you can debate whether Doing it on December fourth or on December thirty first is the right move for the franchise, but something had to be done. And I, I, 
I thought McAdoo would last the rest of the season. I really did. I, I didn't think this ownership does things like that. But again, again, the things we've seen from ownership and everybody in this organization the past couple of weeks is really making me shake my head and say, what is going on here? So I agree. I think a lot of it had to do with the backlash, not just from the fans, but I mean the whole league. And by the whole league, I mean former players, analysts, yeah. people who are just former players that are not involved in football stuff anymore. Everyone. Yeah, because it became one of those things where even if you don't, all if you know is just a lazy headline, Eli benched your outrage. And then you find out, you take it to more of a detail level and find out exactly what happened. Then you're outraged by this is a ridiculous plan. Then you're more outraged by how it was botched between Mara not being present to tell him to him before it actually happened. And, you know, then you're hearing that Mayor has signed off on it, and, and all of a sudden, one week later, everyone's fired. It just seems like this massive clusterfuck where nobody knows what anybody's doing, nobody's in charge, and nobody has a sense of an overall plan. And that's where we are right now. So, yes, you can celebrate the fact that causes of this fuck up are away, but that doesn't mean it's cause for celebration. It means we got to figure this out. Yeah. And right now, my confidence, which used to be a nine and a half in this ownership is probably down to about a seven right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. God damn, this has been a long year. <laughs> yeah, I never want to go through this again. Yeah, um, I mean, I was thinking last Thursday night when it was um, Cowboys-Redskins on the Thursday night game. You know, and nine times out of ten I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this is a huge game, implications, and I just wasn't even interested. It's like – yeah. We're so far removed from having any vested interest in this. doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like, who cares? It's like watching Division II college football or being in a Division II program. Why? Yeah. Like, why? why? There's no reason to even watch. You're just a spectator. Yeah. Um, so. And, you know, this has been particularly painful. I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners, a lot of people, you know, they'll just, you know, say, oh, how many more weeks until pitchers and catchers? I don't have pitchers and catchers. I hate baseball. <laughs> this is my sport. This is all I like. So I got to wait all year, and then I come, and this is the season we have? A complete disaster? Well, here's the thing, though. When you're a shitty team, it makes your offseason much more interesting. If, you know, if you're a team, like even like last year, you know, yeah, we were going to follow it because we were very interested in the Giants, but you're going to follow free agency a little close, more closely than last year. Sure. You're going to have your draft board. You're going to have more attention than you will. So – you know, the beauty of the NFL and basketball is getting the most way also is they're really becoming 12-year sports. So the one thing you guys will have the benefit of is that we'll both be a lot more in tune to you know, what happens with free agency and then the draft. And, you know, when you get hit in the mouth like this, you want to get out there as fast as possible. So Yeah, this will definitely be a more interesting offseason uh, than most others. Um and, you know, I'll be all over it on this podcast, but also uh, on Twitter. Uh, and you can find all that stuff at, at football underscore grump. I am very active with offseason draft shit. Um, I like to watch college games, even break down college tape afterwards. I put it aside until the offseason. I might start a little bit early this year, but. And you also will know that I will be starting very shortly with my don't forget about free agency grump. <laughs> yes, but yeah. So you can find all that stuff on Twitter, um, 
and we'll definitely be discussing it on the podcast every week on iTunes, Just Giants Pod, and SoundCloud. Uh, make sure you subscribe so that you don't have to download it. Um, we will always bump it on Twitter at uh, at Just Giants Pod and on Facebook. Um, tell all your friends. Yeah, do us a favor. Tell one of your friends to start listening to this show. I mean, we have millions and millions of followers now. We want to have one or two more. So yeah, tell all your friends that are giant fans. Tell your relatives. Tell uh, tell John Mara. Hey, listen to these idiots. Make some good <laughs> hires. Yeah, listen to these two knuckleheads. Maybe they can give you some guidance. Uh, tell John Mara to follow me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. <laughs> I'm sure John Mara has a Twitter. I'm sure. Steve Tish, if you're out there. Give us a five-star rating and a nice review. And a part in a movie. Or, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> give me a movie theater or something. But uh, the more people that uh, give us five-star ratings and you know, happy reviews, the more Giant fans will listen to this. And you know, Follow us like our, our man. Um, our main man, Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers out there. We appreciate you actually retweeting us and giving us comments and, and food for thought. So. Thank you for being a loyal listener. And uh, and give him a follow. He's no schlub either. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a smart guy. We have no prize for you, but, you know, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.